0: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. And surely nothing could possibly happen on Sunday to keep Reese Nelson from being the headline of the weekend. And then Liverpool 7, bracket 7, Manchester United nil. Where on earth did that come from? Should we attempt to read too much into it? Can Gakpo and Nunes be Firmino and Mane in Klopp's Liverpool Mark 2 And should we stop asking if Eric Ten Hag's men are in the title race? And then it's time for Reese. What an amazing strike in an amazing game. Bournemouth players collapsing like a team of Sammy Cafours as the ball flew into Neto's net in the 98th minute. And then for reasons only they will know, the Arsenal players, managers, fans and Ian Wright celebrated. What on earth is that all about? Also today, Manchester City proved just too clinical for Newcastle, whose poor run continues. Are the bottom nine all in crisis? West Ham surely are battered at Brighton. Big wins down there for Southampton and Wolves. Who knew Adama Traore could guide a side-foot volley in off the bar from the edge of the box? Graham Potter finally sees his side score a goal. Maybe it'll all be alright. And then there's Arsenal's win, the Conti Cup, a bit of EFL, some wildlife face. Apologies, your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendenny, welcome. Hello, Max. Hello, Robin Cowan. Good morning, Max. And the remaining all new Barney Ronnie. Welcome, Barney. Hi, Max. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, Hedrick says, Usually this season, I've been annoyed that you've not led the pod enough with the league leaders. But tomorrow, if you lead off with another subject, I will totally understand. Uh, Yes, Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Lots of questions on this. Richard says, can Barry clarify if he still thinks Liverpool are at risk of falling into a relegation battle? Um, Stephen says, as a Manchester United fan, really keen to know the latest on your Subaru if you do about 50 minutes on that. Extraordinary. And Dave says, can anyone say they didn't see this coming? Well, yes, I didn't see it coming. Um, Barney, did did you see it coming?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, that's the whole point of this um, this result, which was, it's just very funny, isn't it? It's very funny. The whole thing was very funny after um, the last couple of weeks where, you know, you spend your whole life as a, as a kind of football hack trying to frame a narrative, trying to understand what's happening. Why, why has this happened? And the last week is all about Been about culture change and what you know, 10 ways that Eric Ten Hag has cured the rot. Like, what's happened? What is it? Is it Casemiro? Is it small? I I decided it was small details, little details that can spread outwards and create a kind of coherent culture and can fix the rot. And uh, just his seriousness, uh, little details about timekeeping, personal man management just inspirational stuff about how an institution can be transformed and then they go and lose 7-0 and it, and it just looks ridiculous and all the stuff about casemiro's incredible mentality his incredible mentality has transformed this institute 7-0 it's just very funny and also i wrote a thing about how liver you know liverpool it's over it's finished you know it's gone that that has gone the one thing we know is that that has now 7-0. They won 7-0 against Man United. It's just very funny. I think it's got something to to do with the season, to be honest. It, it has been a, a season where there have been quite a few um, surprising results either way. Don't forget we had that huge break in the middle of it. Odd things are going to happen. I mean, Marcus Rashford has played something like, I think it's 23 games in s- less than 70 days which is you know between 3 and uh, 3 and 4 days between every game. uh liverpool uh, man united played more games than than anyone else. and i think they kind of ran out of steam. you know they, they it was it was only it was still nil nil 43 minutes gone and they were kind of doing okay but the level of just absolute evisceration after that was extraordinary. They conceded seven goals in, I think, eight games before that. Then they conceded seven goals in 48 minutes. Uh, And Liverpool were brilliant. They were brilliant. The front three looked brilliant. Liverpool looked suddenly this irresistible... The kind of Liverpool you write about in articles where you say they're irresistible, they will overwhelm you. They actually were that team. And so I think it's more significant for them as a victory than it is for Man United as a defeat. I think it's a kind of black swan event for Man United, whereas for Liverpool, there is evidence there that there's still so much strength in the team and that Klopp has still got so much to give. So I think it's probably more important for them. And I think I've probably talked enough.
0: Thanks for your time, Barney. Um, You can go now. Uh, um, Yes, Robin, I think I was saying on the radio to Barry words like major surgery required for Liverpool. I don't know if I have to backtrack on that. Completely. But that front three were great. I mean, Troy Deeney on Match of the Day 2 said that Nunez and Gakpo are 23 years old. Their ceiling is through the roof, which isn't mm. really how isn't really how houses work, I don't think. Unless, obviously, you're a footballer. You're so much <laughs> yeah. money. Your, your ceiling can be through the roof. But they were both great. Gakpo took his goals so well, didn't
2: he? I don't think anyone can claim they saw this coming. Surely not. Um, but I don't think it was because of... Uh, you know, Liverpool are capable of this. Um they haven't been they haven't shown much evidence of it this season. But it's more that as by was saying, Manchester United that this to chuck in this sort of performance um is is just unbelievable. I just wonder how how far is Eric Ten Hag gonna make them run this time <laughs> when they lost to Brentford. Um that was the big headline, wasn't it? And uh, I think the I mean the the front three I think um they're very good players, aren't they? And it just hasn't worked so far. Um, but clearly, you know, Nunes was starting to get to be one of those sort of comical figures that kept missing chances. And after his red card on his on his full debut, and but clearly, you know, he's he, he's a very good player. Gakpo's a good player, and and Salah, he's not at his best season, but yeah, it just clicked. I think that the main issue people were having was with their midfield, wasn't it? And but they had a very good game as well. So, I mean. Th- to go from where they were to that is is quite remarkable and really unsure of um what Jurgen Klopp did or um or maybe it was just just you know a game at Anfield against Manchester United sort of focuses the minds it was I mean it was remarkable
0: yeah and and Barry it's it is quite hard to analyze a game when you're watching it and just goals keep happening you know like, well i just can't keep up anymore even Manchester United stopped tweeting the score. you see that? It went like 4-0 Manchester United. And then the next one was just goal, (laughs) Nunez. But they just didn't put the score anymore. But it's it's quite hard to sort of break it down, I think. It is a bit, you know,
3: anything over four goals, you start to lose track of which goal went in, when and who scored it. This was United's worst defeat since 31, I think, which was a similar scoreline. And back in 1931, it would have been a game attended by thousands of people and then a, a score line in a paper with a little match report and that's it. But here, you know, there's you get to enjoy the game itself and it was it was genuinely comical. I even thought at half time Manchester United would come back and win. I <laughs> um I thought they were the better team in the first half and crikey, how wrong was I? But in this you get to enjoy the game and and Depending on your allegiance, uh, you know, possibly not enjoy it at all. Uh, and then you've all the stuff going on in the background. You know, how will Graham Suness react? How will Roy Keane react? How will Jamie Carragher react? How will Gary Neville react? Uh, how will various blowhards with Fan TV channels on YouTube react, and you get to you know enjoy all that background noise as well, which is also very entertaining. I did like the fact that before the game, Graham Souness, the soothsayer, was was churlish about you know being asked to to do a U-turn on his opinion on Casemiro, and then stated confidently that he thought Liverpool would win this very easily. And you could see Gary Neville and Roy Keane smirking in the background of thinking, you know, this guy is an idiot. He's no idea what he's talking about. And then Casemiro proceeds to have his worst performance by a mile in a Manchester United shirt and Liverpool wins 7-0. Uh, I am aware I haven't answered the question you asked me and I now can't remember what it was. But...
0: Uh... <laughs> Not can I? So <laughs> <Yeah>. That's okay. <laughs> I'll go to Barney. What did you make of... I mean, because, you know, it's it's quite hard when you're trying to work out... I mean, Liverpool were brilliant, United were terrible, but the the most fun part of this was watching the kind of collapse of this team that had been so brilliant and then watching them i don't say they turn on each other like you know is that spiders after they've mated or whatever but you know like bruno fernandes kind of waving his arms it's sort of everywhere just like constantly furious and then asking basically asking to be substituted it's just absolutely brilliant yeah there's a lot of uh, you know
1: reaction about bruno fernandes is he fit to wear the armband and stuff like that which people like uh, it's a good discussion but i don't know i mean he's he's been a really good player for man united uh through some difficult times I, I don't for a second think that he's a problem or the reason why they lost that game he basically kind of has an annoying face and an annoying manner and when things go wrong people tend to kind of pick him out um, the, they they had an argument after the Carabao Cup final, him and Casemiro, and that was because they were winners. That's how much of a winner he is. But now now being upset uh, means that he's that's how much of a loser he is. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's he's a good player. He's a very intelligent player. He um he he absolutely immersed in the game. He's one of those players who goes home and watches the game back instantly when he gets home and analyzes everything, analyzes his own performance, um, and will probably end up being a manager. Um, I don't for a second think Bruno Fernandes is a problem at Man United or should be stripped of the armband or what have you, but it is, I think there is there is a thing about systems teams, sorry to go back to your question, football is, there's a lot of really regulated sort of pattern play and uh, Carlo Ancelotti has talked about solving Liverpool, but he feels he can solve them because they play to a, in a formulaic way, which is interesting, I don't know how much he really believes that or it's kind of mind gamesy stuff. But I think that you have seen quite a lot of big defeats where something goes wrong in a team's system. They don't instantly know how to fix it. And and other teams are so efficient at preying on that, that you will have complete meltdown halves like that. Um, And that that has happened
0: with Liverpool and with Man United. Robin, Liverpool must be favourites for fourth now i mean it's
2: mad isn't it <laughs> it's, it's,
0: yeah it is mad but i mean they, they have had what five consecutive clean sheets obviously within that in the league within that they were hammered by real madrid mm. and then you sort of watched that yesterday and this is obviously recency bias the last thing i watched them do was eviscerate quite a good team 7-0 <laughs> but they couldn't they couldn't go to the bow and and do something could they
2: well i think they could um you know real madrid again they're not doing very well in the league. I think they drew a nil-nil with Betis. So I think at the weekend, Barcelona are pretty much running away with the title. Although Real Madrid in Champions League is just different gravy, isn't it? It's like almost no one can stop them. They can be terrible and they, they managed to, to dig out a result. I think they can do. This will give them so much confidence. I mean, it's unlikely, but it just seems to be so similar to that season where... They started terribly, and then they had that, you know, Allison header, um, and then they managed to get third. I think not even fourth. They got third, and it's just so familiar to that. And they just, if they can keep this going, this not this is not a one off result. Then yeah, you know, I think they are favourites for fourth because as we've seen, you know, Spurs and Newcastle are now just starting to 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 go the other way at the crucial moment. So I, I really. I think that they, they might be from what looked like an absolutely impossible position.
1: The whole thing's odd. How, how, Spurs, as far as I can tell, have lost every single game they've played this season.
0: <laughs> all, they lose every yeah, time. So. And, and they're fourth. <laughs> how has that happened? Look, Eric Dyer constantly looking miffed at another goal going in and they're still in fourth place. We'll get to them. I mean, Barry, at the same point, it's like, is, is this just... Eric Ten Hag had done so many things right. you just, just felt like Manchester United were getting to a place where, you know, they were going to maybe even push for the title. You know, unlikely, but possibly. And you wonder if, like, is it better to lose 7-0? So everyone goes, hang on, lads. you know, like a 1-0 defeat, you go, oh, everything was fine and we'll crack on. You know, in a stupid way, is that better? than everyone goes, oh, shit, we're not as good as we thought we were. Was that a really stupid question? <laughs> I don't know.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know how much you can read into this until you see how they react. There, there's so many... Players had a shocking day at the office. Players making mistakes so you wouldn't expect them to make. Uh, Anthony was awful. Casemiro, Fernandes, Sabitzer all giving the ball away and that sloppiness leading to goals. Liverpool's absolute ruthlessness in front of goal. Like I said, I still, at half-time, I thought Manchester United would come back and win. So they've had a shocking, shocking 45 minutes and Aston Hag. Said they all lost their heads. Too many of them had an awful day at the office. What I wouldn't write, you know, write off the Ten Hag regime. You know, before this game, as Barney has pointed out, he's been praised to the high heavens for the, the manner in which he changed the culture at the club. So. Yeah, let's, let's wait and see what
0: happens.
2: There must have been someone on a radio phone and who said they never should have got rid of Ronaldo yesterday <laughs> after all that.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. He would have changed it, wouldn't he? It's worth mentioning Bobby Firmino as well, who announced he's leaving Liverpool. And he's actually, I was really surprised to hear that under Jurgen Klopp, he has made the most appearances of anybody and has been just so central to, you know, Liverpool mark one. And we'll see if, you know, Gakpo can go through the roof of the season <laughs> and become the next... Bobby Firmino. Uh, let's go to the Emirates. Um, utterly amazing game, this. Bournemouth were 2-0 up. I mean, they scored They scored quicker than anyone has ever run the 100 metres. Um, uh, and then, you know, you can score too early. I'm sure Bournemouth fans think that is really is too early. And then the last kick of the game, basically, the left foot of Reese Nelson. Riches, how much will the Reese Nelson statue cost? Barney, did you... F- I mean, it was just, just a pure... Like, if you're a Bournemouth player, you'd have gone... Do you know what? I will take that. Reese Nelson swinging his left foot in the 98th minute would we'll probably get a point here.
1: Yeah, and it was a genuine half volley, which is a is a rare thing. Um, and his weaker foot. It's it's an amazing story for so many reasons uh, within one game. I, I mean, I really like Reece Nelson, and I'm really pleased he's had that moment. He's a, you know, he's an Arsenal kid. Um, he's from I think he comes from the Old Kent Road around there. I think he may have gone to the same school as uh David Hay around there. Um but he um he's a, a nice kid who kind of lost his way a little bit, who was seemed to be lacking there's it's a bit vague, but um he seemed to lack motivation. He wasn't fierce and hungry and vicious enough. That was the feeling about him. And but incredibly talented. Um, you know, he was in the England under 17 team that reached I think the final of that competition Uh, and everybody always knew he had this ability, but he was kind of, he's like a mild, nice person. And he went to Feyenoord, and he was bowled over by professional training there. There was a sort of bit of a problem, like we can't keep this kid here. But Arteta's handled him really well. He's spoken really publicly and quite warmly about his change in attitude, about how he really believes in him. And to send him on for a substitute, when you basically, the title's slipping away, you need a goal, you need a goal. That in itself is a massive Vote of confidence, and to then see it sort of pay off, and the celebrations were so nice. He wasn't his celebration of the goal was more sort of relief. I mean, that's something he's worked towards since he was six years old. um It was just a really nice moment, and he was very humble afterwards. And uh, I'm I'm really pleased for him. And it, you know, there's some likable things about the team and the club. I mean, I'm not a supporter of any of these teams,
0: but it's hard not to to will them on when you see things like that. Max asks, Robin, how would you have commentated? on the Reese Nelson goal? A Nelson Aguero moment? A subdued, <laughs> cool as you like? A Ray Hudson inexplicable and unhinged folksy aphorism? What would you have done? Just let the mood take you, I guess.
2: I think so, yeah. Well, um, Steve Wilson did a great job because he basically just didn't say anything because that's it didn't need to. Just the pictures said everything, the crowd. Um, you could hear them. It was, yeah, it was perfect. And uh, I just can't decide whether... I mean, the romantic in me is... This is fate. Arsenal are going to win the title because of these sort of these setbacks and then they're they're overcoming them. But then if you're, I don't know, the sort of more forensic view would be, you know, that's twice now against Villa and Bournemouth. They sort of got away with with being a bit sloppy and just I know we'll go on to City a bit later, but they seem to just look a bit more in control. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think, um, and people were also, it was interesting, they were likening this to, um, do you remember when, when Leicester won the title and Jamie Vardy, I think, got suspended and a Joe had to come in? He scored a really crucial goal, um, against someone. And so, yeah, it might just be meant to be, but I just still, I'm not sure because they just do look a bit vulnerable. Um, and it will be interesting to see. it be interesting to see how seriously they take the Europa League. That might come into it, I guess.
1: Good teams always win at the end. Do you remember Vincent Company's ridiculous goal from outside the box for Man City? Man United winning all those games late on when they were really good. It's kind of because you're good that you you tend to have that incredible luck. I mean, um, that's my feeling. I, I think um, also he had to rest players for this game, so Xhaka didn't start, and. They played so many games recently, and that—that that was he thought, obviously thought Bournemouth at home, we can sort of get away with that. And that it was that extraordinary first goal that set the narrative for the day because that—that shouldn't have happened. It should have been 0-0 after twenty minutes, and then Arsenal start to. Um, but um, yeah, Paperless, Paperless uh, was there. That's that's his nickname. Philip Billing um, is known as Paperless among the other players. Like Paperless Billing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. It took me a second. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it good. A second, I was sad about it. He did once, when he had blonde streaks, he himself tweeted a picture of himself next to a llama and he looked extraordinarily like the llama. But since the blonde streaks have gone, he no longer really looks like a llama. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in myself, Barney. Yeah, it's true. I'm disappointed in myself for not getting paperless <laughs> billing as quickly as I should have done. Um, but I enjoyed it thoroughly.
3: I got, I got it. But I'm wondering if this is Barney doing one of those wind-ups where billing.
1: Well, isn't of course
0: he's not called, called paperless. paperless. Of course his he isn't. Is. There's just
1: no way he's called Paperless. <laughs> That's, it's like it's like it's like one size yeah. fits all. Footballers are yeah. clever. They make they make up funny yeah, Possibly,
0: I think it's not. I don't think his nickname really is Paperless Barry. <laughs> and I'm pleased that you you can hear them shouting it when you watch their games you can hear them shout, shouting paperless one of the really old players <laughs> it's, it's, still <laughs> likes it by post so he, he refuses he refuses to engage <laughs> a, a Bournemouth barrier kind of afterthought in this game but it is really worth spending at least a minute to say they played really well they took a two goal lead in the same way of you know how that dressing room would feel the Arsenal team the Bournemouth dressing room must have been desolate
3: Oh, they'll have been on the floor. Uh, they took the lead after nine seconds. They should have gone two up when when Billing uh, crossed to Django Tura or Atara, who who missed a good... Well, it was an excellent save from um, Ramsdale, to be fair. And, yeah, so they could conceivably have been 3-0 up. Good performance, but an absolute heartbreaker of an ending and... Again, we'll have to wait and see what kind of effect that has on them. They got
2: Liverpool next, so ouch! Yeah.
0: <laughs> they, they owe them as well, don't they? So, uh, God, that is fascinating. That's great. That's great from the fixture. Great work from the fixture computer. Well done. Uh, well done, you. Uh, that'll do for part one. Part two will begin at the Etihad. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, So Manchester City 2, Newcastle 0. Perhaps, Barry, not as straightforward as it seems on paper, this result. Uh,
3: No. Manchester City took the lead. Excellent goal from Phil Foden. And then Newcastle had two excellent opportunities which went to waste. Callum Wilson messed up a good chance. Sean Longstaff sort of dilly-dallied over a shot and, and it was blocked by Nathan Ake. And then... The the second goal, the goal which killed the game off, came very much against the run of play because Manchester City weren't doing well in the second half. Uh, Newcastle were getting on top. And then just a, another def- one of many defensive errors from Newcastle in the game. Kieran Trippi gave the ball away and Bernardo Silva, who was on off the bench, scored. That kind of was the slapdown Man City needed to give Newcastle in this battle of the state-owned behemoths, and it was game over. So it's sort of been the story of Newcastle's uh, life in recent weeks. They're playing reasonably well, but not scoring goals. The, the goals pretty much dried up, and they seem to be on the slide. It's one win in eight for them, uh, one in seven in the Premier League, three consecutive defeats, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things go in this- at St. James's Park, if this, you know, they they were playing above themselves for the first half of the season, but things are starting to go a bit pear-shaped. But,
0: but you would say on that, Barney, that, you know, given the squad that Eddie Howe has, and yes, they've spent quite a lot of money, but to be in, you know, fourth for so long, and is it fifth they are now, is actually, they are still outperforming where they should be as a, a set of players, you'd say.
1: I guess so, yeah. I mean, there's still uh, a lot of, slightly underinvested parts of the team. Well, they did spend more than Real Madrid and Barcelona combined over the last year. So that is quite um, a lot though, talk yes. of it being an incredible fairy tale has always seemed to me slightly... Um, it's a funny idea of what a fairy tale is. I mean, maybe that's a, the modern... It's a Disney kind of massive extravaganza CGI fairy tale with, you know, Tom Hanks in the main role. But I guess that's still, still a fairy tale. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I find the whole Newcastle thing really strange. Um, I, I want, I like Eddie Howe, and I think he's done, has done a really good job, and they've, they've, they've created a really good way of playing, uh, even though it seems to be a bit niggly. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised by the whole Newcastle as masters of shit thing. I haven't really occurred to me, but that seems to be uh, part of part of their play. But um, and then. Yeah, it's just hard to believe in it as a, as a the Geordie nation finds its kind of heart and soul kind of thing that the the final of the of the cup final is there and I kind of there'll be plenty more of those you know it's not it's not a miracle you know this is how modern football works uh, they'll be back and I'm sure they'll have plenty of time to to build a stronger there's been talk of much larger much greater investment coming in I mean the interesting thing is is what what do they what's Eddie Howe's par level with this team. How long how long can they go on plateauing out slightly before there's pressure on Eddie Howe? I mean that's not a joke. I know everybody loves him and he's done a really good job, but there's um there's huge expectation and and they're, I think they obviously they'll give him the summer and Newcastle could be a totally different team next year. But there's massive expectation there and it's not been a good run of results.
2: But also, is there something, is the ownership, is that, a, I mean, is that a question? Is, or do we do we think nothing's going to happen there? Because that's, you know, nothing. we were all shocked happen. by the revelation. We <laughs> were all shocked by the revelation that, uh, you know, they, they actually are involved in the Saudi <laughs> government. This isn't an investment fund, isn't it? That, that was, that was really, was that last week? That, yes, it was on Tuesday, was yeah. Surreal.
0: I don't think we've discussed it in detail. Maybe we have, but it's the idea that, basically part of the live tour they were arguing in the states that piff was part of the government and so therefore they didn't have to answer questions on this thing and that was precisely the opposite of what Richard masters had confirmed to everybody when newcastle were bought and then i and then i was wondering barney how is that different to to man city the difference is that that happened a long time ago uh before anybody was really across
1: this uh or, or also um there it's political. It's entirely political. There are more immediate, toxic political issues around Saudi Arabia and Mohammed bin Salman than than that. There, there have been with with Abu Dhabi. Um, it's entirely that. Um, I think that there is. I have to say, I think there is a way that they can tiptoe through this and say, look, one of these. What we're talking about is discovery in court proceedings and whether what what the bar is there for disclosing personal documents and details and things that may have security implications, and speaking to the Premier League and saying whether you'll have day-to-day control of a club. Those are not the same things. The questions the Premier League are asking will not have been the same as the questions the San Francisco Federal Court are asking. So your answer, there'll be a different standard. Of The Premier League can't demand to see your personal messages, but the court can. So if they want to tiptoe, yeah, it's very funny to say a bit of a gotcha. And I wrote a column about that because it is funny. But they would be able to argue that these are two different scenarios. Talking to Richard Masters and being subject to judicial proceedings are not the same thing. And we don't know what the legally binding reassurances Premier League have received are about. It could have been, you know, do do you wear a hat on Sundays? I mean, no one knows. They just said we have legally binding assurances. Like, okay, what are those? Um, So
0: I'm sure that there's a way they can tiptoe through that. Back on the pitch, Robert, do you... Do you, I mean, we talked about Arsenal sort of appearing like the vulnerable, you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. City are described as the relentless machine, but they aren't necessarily quite that themselves either, are they? But but you always think they're going to win. I always think they're going to win every single football match they play in.
2: Yeah, and no, I agree. I mean, they, they have shown um, that they're slightly careless. You know, they do get... Gi- I feel like they have given up more chances this season, but... Yeah, they just, they just win. It's like they almost do it on purpose to kind of lure you in and then they, then they strike. Um, And it's great to see, I mean, from an England perspective, it's great to see Phil Foden kind of back to his sort of, his best. And it was interesting because a lot of people picked up on last week saying that was the worst sort of spell of his career. But he said it actually because it was the first time he'd played without pain for a while. And it just made me realise, we all forget, I certainly do, a lot of them aren't, I mean, they're nowhere near a hundred percent. So it's just, yeah, I, I think for myself personally, you need to kind of be aware of that sometimes that when they, when they've had a bad game and yeah.
0: Well, Robin, I, I have been podcasting at this level with plantar fasciitis for about. That's incredible. Six months. Now. What a hero. Yeah. Still delivering. What a hero. It is pretty extraordinary. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Neil says, um, Erling Harland's antics on Saturday when he was sort of, shoving Dan Byrne in a massive person off reminded me of the blonde-haired dude Carl from Die Hard whose brother was killed by John McClane and then he laughed started laughing and it's such a brilliant comparison i mean you a lot of you may have to go back and watch Die Hard to know who you're thinking he's thinking about it's it's really incredible all the comparisons incredibly accurate um he uh, uh, says definitely Max Zorin from view to a kill, and I don't. I, I presume it's the same person. I don't know that reference. Um, does any other player have this kind of acting range? Um, do, do you do you follow any of that, Barry? I get
3: I get the Die Hard reference, not the the Bond one.
0: Was that Christopher
1: Walken? It may have been Christopher Walken. I think he was a a, a blonde cackling villain in that film.
2: Mm, I think that was Roger Moore's Roger Moore's final Bond, where he looked
0: right. His legs had you know, gone. Are you saying Roger Moore's legs had <laughs> gone. His legs had gone. He can't. He can't do his it. Legs,
2: his legs, had <laughs> gone. At that point, they could only have Christopher Walken as the baddie. He could deal with the, the guy
1: in <laughs> the guy from Die Hard, Carl. He was a really fascinating thing. He actually sadly died, um, I think, recently. Um, certainly, I read his obituary recently. Um, he, um, he, he was a ballet dancer, um, and he, I think, defected um, from the Soviet Union and uh that was that was his big breakout role he previously played um a, and a slightly evil but seductive conductor in the tom hanks vehicle money pit and he he then after die hard he refused to play um evil kind of guys or soviet union type people or Ivan drago figures he refused to be cast along those lines because he thought it was and um he kind of got slightly frozen out of hollywood and uh, ended up um, sort of living alone in his flat and being a slightly sort of sad, alcoholic figure. And and he was a
0: very soulful kind of, um, you know, lovely guy, as I'm sure
1: um, Erling Haaland is uh,
0: as well. Anyway, Haaland and Grealish's time-wasting at the end was lots of fun, wasn't it? Keeping the ball in the corner, constantly twatting it against Newcastle players. Um, and an oversight on Lorius Karius' gloves for the League Cup final, um, a formal apology to producer Joel because he he put it in the script and I left it out. Uh, Sanjay Bandari uh, uh, from Kick It Out says, great listen, the pod disappointed neither Troy or Max, r- raised the big question from the final, was Karius wearing gardening gloves or falconry gloves? They are quite incredible. I mean, it's worth searching them out. They're definitely not goalkeeper gloves. They're just like, have you got any old gloves, mum? I'm going out to play. <laughs> well, falconry is the national
3: sport of Saudi Arabia, so he may well have borrowed the gloves from Mohammed Ben Salman or One of the other (laughs) board members.
0: Brighton 4, West Ham 0. Rob says West Ham are doomed if they don't get rid of Moyes. Why are you all giving him such an easy ride? His management since January 2022 has been awful in the league, still in a job because he had a good European run. He even turned on the away fans after the game. Not acceptable. Um, Robin, why are you giving David Moyes (laughs) such an easy ride?
2: Um, (laughs) It's interesting that the board really see there's no appetite to get rid of him at all, is there? It, I mean, it's odd because it just seems like when they reach the point um, of they, he needs to go, he somehow pulls out the bag. But no, it's been a dreadful, dreadful season. And once again, they've spent a lot and it just, it's almost made them worse um, from last season. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't understand it. I I, I think, I, mean, I don't know who West Ham would get in, but I mean, it, they're they're really in danger of relegation they really are and uh no I don't I'm I'm very pleased I wasn't at the Brighton game because um yeah the last time I interviewed David Moyes was uh slightly uncomfortable you know he gave gives you that stare which only he can do and um he's yeah he's just not very comfortable answering those sorts of questions particularly so uh Sack him, I say. No,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like a Christopher Walken stare, isn't it? Um, Yeah, meanwhile, Brighton Barry are you know continue to impress. That was a brilliant performance from them, and
3: you'd have to say, on the evidence of recent Brighton performances, that they must be in with a shout of a top four finish. They have three games in hand over Tottenham, they have two in hand over Liverpool and Fulham, one over. Newcastle, I think, and with the exception of Liverpool's second half performance against Manchester United, they're playing the best football of all those teams at the moment uh they you know Graham Potter left them in a good position, and Roberto De Zerbi has has taken the bat on and and done more than his bit to to make them better uh It would be an astonishing achievement for them to finish in fourth place. Looks
0: doable.
2: Favorite goal of the weekend, I think, as well. Joel Veltman's chest. Oh yeah, such good distance mm-hmm. on it.
0: Yeah, it's a sort of powerful pectoral muscle mm-hmm. he must have, and to do so when you know, basically, so well marked as well. Was, was, <laughs> so there was nobody near him. I mean, it was sort of insane. How like, and he's just standing on the six. I mean, that is you're watching that, going, that can't be real. Like, it can't. He wasn't being marked and then, like, a player drifted away. He just stood there, I think, if I remember it correctly. He just stood totally open in that bit. Uh, yeah, mad. Um, do, do you think Alexis McAllister, McAllister was more pleased with his goal or the gold iPhone that Lionel Messi has gifted him, um, our friend Kieran Maguire, saying Lionel Messi has spent £175,000 on 35 gold iPhones for, the Argent- for his, all his teammates uh, with their squad number on them so uh that's a gold iphone
1: well well, literally made of gold or gold colored well i'm not here for to give you details well you seem quite heavy i mean be really heavy heavy because i always keep mine in my in my right pocket of my trousers Uh, i think a gold gold one if 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 I had one of those, it'd probably be a real. I couldn't if I was
0: running for a bus. That's true. And it would it be quite potentially be quite, dangerous? If you're running for a bus and you don't make the bus, and someone says, "Why didn't you?" and you say, "Well, it's my golden telephone. My, my gold iPhone was painfully <laughs> banging into my. hip bone will judge as you, I ran, won't they? People will say, "Yeah." And
1: right. I would say that in a really loud voice yeah. as I leapt on, really oh. randomly, just to everyone else on the upper deck. My golden phone. Think that was. You know how it yeah, my is. my gold phone, yeah. nearly. Did you see that? It nearly stopped me. And people would look away and probably just get off of the next stop.
0: Um, uh, Wolves won Spurs nil. Somehow, some way, and we've already alluded to this, Barry, Spurs are still in fourth place. And a nice change, good first half, bad second half.
3: Yeah. Um, they, it's a game that could have gone either way. My immediate impression with Wolves deserved the win. But then I'm thinking it's recency buys because they played better in the second half. But Tottenham were hugely on top in the first half but couldn't score, um, missed several good chances. And, the, yeah, I, I have no idea how Spurs are fourth still. It's it's just remarkable because, as Barney said, they seem to lose every single game they play and yet they're fourth. Um
0: <laughs> And still in the um, Champions
3: League. Still, Well, I don't think they'll be in it for much longer, but um, we'll see. We'll find out soon enough, I suppose. Yeah, a good performance. A, a, a reasonable performance from both sides in each half, and Wolves took a chance and Spurs didn't, I suppose.
0: Yeah. I mean, a wretched week for Spurs, because if you play a weakened side and lose to an even more weakened side from a lower division in the FA Cup, Robin, you better win the next game. Now, this sort of seems to be quite key... Having said that, I think, you know, as we said, the Bournemouth players would have looked at Reese Nelson lining up going, we'll take that. I think Spurs would have looked at Adama Traore trying to contort his body and calmly play a side <laughs> foot volley yeah. and it's to go anywhere in the lower <laughs> tier. And you'd have said, well, we'll take that.
2: Absolutely. No, he's, he's really uh, prolific is not how you describe Adama Traore. It was a magnificent finish, but I, I do think Spurs was slightly unfortunate here. I think they hit the bar twice, didn't they? And um, the analysis on match of the day was that Wolves um, praising the Wolves manager Lopetegui for changing it at half time and matching them up, and uh, and that was kind of the the reason why that uh, Spurs sort of didn't perform very well in the second half. They're a strange team. They're such a weird team. But I guess Conte's back, isn't he, for the next for the midweek? So it'd be interesting to see if that makes any difference at all.
1: Do you think they're all? They must all be so pleased. <laughs> <laughs> imagine imagine the, the lift in the dressing room. am so <laughs> delighted. This is, could
0: change everything. <laughs> uh, anyway, that'll do for part two. Part three, uh, we'll rattle through the rest of the Premier League. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, at the City Ground, Forest 2, Everton 2. I really enjoyed this game, Barry. I mean, it was, you know, Everton really Dice has got into them now, as they said on match day two, hitting long diags, some good long diags from Everton, wasn't it? And sort of Brennan Johnson being this sort of wonderful, graceful, graceful, balletic player at the other end.
3: Yeah, this was a really good game, which kind of has been overshadowed by the, the Liverpool, Manchester United results. But I really enjoyed this. There was a lot of needle, a lot of snapping into tackles, uh, two teams really, really trying and it also had the Sean Dyches goal you've ever seen <laughs> in <laughs> Everton's second, where uh, Jordan Pickford launch, gets it launched from halfway, free kick. And then there's a Tarkowski header, a keen flick, and Abdullah Dekouré heads it home from the edge of the six-yard box. Um, you know, just absolute textbook dice. Get it launched, header, 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 goal. And uh, you love to see it. Um, and as you say, Brennan Johnson scored two fantastic goals for, for Forrest. Dice was a little bit, he, he he and Gibbs White played very well. Afterwards, Sean Dice was a little bit annoyed that Everton hadn't got a a penalty for Jack Colbeck's challenge on Seamus Coleman. I wasn't sure whether it was a penalty or not, so I suppose it wasn't a clear and obvious error if it, indeed it was an error at all. But really good game, really good game between two struggling sides and... Forrest probably should have won. They were the better team towards the end, but uh, a point each, which yeah, well, is better than nothing.
1: The only thing I wrote down about this game was Pickford's antics, um, and I, I don't think it's helpful. I really don't. Like uh, he's got that thing of every time a goal goes in uh, or something goes wrong, or even if he makes a save, of having this explosion of rage. Um, you know, uh, Johnson's goal brilliant brilliant goal he kind of ruined it by smashing the ball away after when a goal goes in like that as a goalie you have you have a duty to either stand rooted looking baffled like oh that was so good there's nothing I could do or to dive knowing you're not going to reach it but just to make it look better (laughs) but I I don't think it's it's a goalie who's just been scored past having a tantrum I don't think it's good it's like a batsman who's just got out you have a duty to manage that moment of death properly if you throw your bat or you shake your head or you make out there's unplayable out there, you're not helping the team. And I think it's the same with that kind of exculpatory, well, it's not my fault, it's your fault stuff. Um, that kind of bothers me.
0: Meanwhile, Brennan Johnson, Robin, is he's, he's sensational, isn't he? I don't want to just sell him to someone else, but I'd quite interested to know what his is if his ceiling is through the roof.
2: <laughs> I think it is. I mean he's got all the ingredients there and he seems like a just the way he finishes chances got such confidence for someone that young. He's got pace, he's got the tricks, and he just seems to always make the right decision. And I think um, if they stay up, hopefully he'll stay. But it's an interesting one. It's it's slight Jack Grealish vibes because he's a sort of local lad. It's his it's his team, so it, it it just depends on whether they can match, I guess, his ambitions. It might be a little bit early for him to sort of move to you know a, a so called top six team, but. Hopefully they'll stay up. It's not so
3: long ago, actually, that the Forest fans were were starting to get on his back and he was dropped from the team. Uh, He he, he didn't have a great start Mm. to the season. but Tough starts. He looks to the manor born now.
1: Uh, Steve Cooper, it has to be said, Steve Cooper's done a really good job. It's a kind of anti-Potter, isn't it? We'll just throw players at you. But it seems to have really energised them. I don't see them going down at all. And he just has this great look um, all the time of kind of, uh, you know... Crisis, what crisis? He kind of, he he always just looks like he's, um, you know, his car's broken down and it's raining, um, and his service station picking up his keys from his ex girlfriend. But he doesn't care, and and it's all going to be fine. Uh, it, he's actually, it's a really, he's done a great job. The 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 madness of all their signings has has created energy. It's like this kinetic process, as opposed to, you know, what's happened at Chelsea, where it just seems to have created a bewildering mathematical problem that nobody can solve. So I think even though buying lots of players is hardly a hardship, he does deserve some credit for allowing it to be a, a kind of a fertile kind of madness.
0: Um, let's go to that bewildering mathematical problem. Um, when when Joe Felix sort of caressed the crossbar with that strike, Barry, I really thought, here we go again but Chelsea just about managed it, didn't they?
3: Yeah, it wasn't a convincing win, but it was a win they needed. It was gold they needed. Um, First one in just under 400 minutes of playing time. Despite their best efforts to to throw away the three points, they, they hung on. It wasn't, you know, but Potter will take that. A win is a win. He needed it and he got it. And Leeds will be disappointed they didn't take something from the game.
0: Paul says, "Did the Chelsea player who ran to get the ball off? They scored. Just assume they were behind. I think it. I think it was Koulibaly. who <laughs> ran to pick the ball up and then and then realised actually no, I don't need to run back like David Platt with this. I mean that 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 game against Dortmund. I mean it feels like Robin was you know it's sort of he needed to win both these games and he's done one of them so that so Todd Bowley can't you know we'll get onto him being a bad you know being a bad luck charm for the the women's team in a second, but um." Still, Dortmund is massive for them, isn't it?
2: It is, but I was I was really hoping that Chelsea just kept losing, just to see to test Todd Bolly's resolve because he's been so no trust the process. We're gonna, you know, we've backed Potter, we got him out of Brighton, we paid an awful lot of money, and we've spent a lot of money on flares. I just I was hoping that they were gonna be in sort of a. a towards the bottom four of League One, him going, no, we're going to stick with <laughs> stick with Graham. We believe in him. The thing, Graham Potter keeps talking about suffering. He says that in every post-match interview.
0: Mm, and the players suffered. We had to suffer today.
2: I think he looks like he's suffering. I'm not sure. The, I think the players are like, oh, well, we're okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not great, but he just, yeah. Uh, the fact he keeps saying suffering is interesting.
0: Isn't that quite a, so, it's quite a sort of modern football phrase, uh, I mean, I, I don't know mm. if you saw that. I don't know if you saw Dean <laughs> Saunders, uh, the clip of him doing the rounds sort off, taking every phrase that, that actually works for modern football and sort of saying it's ridiculous. But like, I think a, a lot of people like, you know, the idea that actually you do have to work hard to, and you have to defend well, and that is part of the game. And we were talking about sort of Anthony not really doing the suffering bit for Manchester United. You know, you do the fun bit and it's easy to run forwards, but actually you do have to suffer sometimes. Um, Barry, that's the biggest yawn you've done in a while on this pod. I, 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 was, was I oh, not inter- interesting you enough with my <laughs> analysis <laughs> of the word suffering? Um, uh, J- Jonathan says, should James Ward-Prowse be given special dispensation to take penalties from outside the box? He missed a penalty, didn't matter. Southampton did win, just one point off the relegation zone. Um, Stateside Saints says, has Barry figured out what to make of Southampton yet? Sincerely, a Saints supporter hanging on by a thread.
3: They are hanging on by a thread and. In- but for the wayward finishing of Kalichi and they would have lost this game by about six <laughs> nil.
0: He missed. It's
2: extraordinary. that yeah. extraordinary it's misses. A real fifty p head
0: uh, a weekend for him. But a question from Anthony says: Should Barry have been more open about the fact that his magical powers to improve Ianacho's form had an expiry date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I can only do so much. For
3: Kalichi, at some point he has to take responsibility for his own finishing. And, you know, it was a shocking performance from him. And then uh, in in the knockings of the game, Harry Suter thumped a header against the crossbar. So precious win for Southampton, but they were very lucky.
1: They're, they're extremely weird as well, aren't they? I mean, I was watching this and what struck me is that Theo Walcott was playing at a World Cup When Tony Blair was the Prime Minister, and he 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 was playing for England before the iPhone existed, and he's still (laughs) he's still promising. I still believe that Theo Walcott, if he can just keep building on what he's achieved, you know who knows the his ceiling ceiling is high. Um, But he's through the roof. Yeah, he's playing for them with a bunch of other really oddly assembled players. And uh, it's it's just very... When will he ever stop? He still seems to be incredibly quick as well.
0: Yes, I thought that. He, he, at one point, motored forwards or backwards. I wasn't really paying enough attention. But I thought, God, he's still fast. You know, he's he's still 17. That's the thing. He's eternal youth. After his first tournament for England, he bought everyone in the squad gold
3: iPhones. And they all went, what, what are these? <laughs> 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 these haven't been invented yet.
0: <laughs> um... <laughs> Perfectly Cromulant says, should Crystal Palace be worrying? Um, they and Vieira seem to be getting a very easy ride in the media. God, another one, Robin, that you're just not criticising enough. Uh, when I don't know why you're the media and we're not, <laughs> where, where, where their form's been awful. Are they actually any better off than they were under Roy? Or do they just look a bit nicer when they lose? Yeah, um, they're on a terrible I don't think they've won since christmas or something or since the new year
2: they've not won this year oh. and yeah and no, i think there's a point there i think it's the french accent i just you know when he starts talking i can't can't criticize uh big pat uh but no they i think that you know they have a really fantastic technical and exciting forward line you know elise zaha Eze. so i think the palace fans may have a slight gripe with the sort of paucity of goals they've scored. They're only they're five points clear. I should mention Leicester are only two. So I don't know if, if Barney thinks they're going to be okay as well, but I'm not not sure. Barney's not yeah, relegating anyone. The all new going to be okay. <laughs> anyone?
1: Yeah, I, I believe in a new league where no one is relegated. But it, it is funny how um, Patrick Vieira, everyone likes him so much. He'll just get away with it. I mean, I I just like to say that I don't disapprove of this. But do you remember? That he, Kicked a fan to the ground last season during a pitch invasion. Everyone was just like, Yeah, you shouldn't play. It's fine. <laughs> and and I, I'm actually fine with that. I think if you run on the pitch, you've got to take what comes. But there should have been more of, more of an outcry, maybe. But it's fine because it's Patrick Vieira.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look, good on him. You know, Just let Patrick Vieira just get away with whatever he likes and we'll all carry on. Um, uh, Arsenal beat Chelsea, Robin, in the Concy Cup, the uh, Women's League Cup which was a surprise. Arsenal obviously missing Miedemar and Mead and uh, not many people gave them a prayer.
2: No, especially because uh, they played each other seven days ago and Chelsea dispatched them comfortably from the FA Cup. It was a really fantastic final, really top, top quality. Um, and Sam Kerr scored after two minutes and you thought, well, that's it for Arsenal. But they showed great spirit. Really haven't seen them perform like that in a long time. Real belief Um Kim Little was deservedly player of the match and misfiring forward Stina Blackstinius, who it turns out was offered as part of the deal for Alessia Russo in January. So you kind of think, where's her head at? And so she's, she's coming for a bit of criticism, but you think, gosh, I mean, that must've been really tough for her. She scored the equaliser and then just grew in confidence and yeah, great for Arsenal, great for Jonas Ederbal, who's got his first trophy um, their first trophy in four years, which is a long time for them. And uh, yeah, Emma Hayes pulled no punches saying that um, her team were complacent. She, you know, so on, No one kind of put that word in her mouth. She said we were too complacent. They wanted it more, which is pretty damning.
0: Yeah. I mean, hopefully none of the Arsenal players or fans celebrated uh, winning that trophy. That'll be a Absolutely, no, very glum when the, um,
2: the ticker tape was going everywhere, and they were just sort of was, wandering
0: about. Glum ticker tape. Uh, David says, "How does Barney feel about Jani Infantino showing up at Millwall for the day?" Presumably, all those times he was looking glum and checking his phone during the World Cup, he was actually—he's got a golden iPhone. If anyone does, he was actually just following the transfer gossip, so he would show up the den in January.
1: Yeah, it was—it was surprising. Um, I saw Ziani uh, on Monday in Paris at the the Best Awards, where he he kind of waffled on about football being love and football being everyone's gift, and the last thing he said in his speech was "Enjoy football." as though this is clearly his gift to give. And then he followed that by going to the den, uh, which all fits together perfectly. Um, it was a bit of an odd one. I mean, there were loads of other games going on and games in London. I guess he's showing that he's some kind of man of the people.
2: Uh, mm. He didn't. He, he passed up Arsenal. I think he also, that there were reports he had a chat with Delia Smith because they were playing Norwich and I'd, lo- I'd have loved to have heard what they were
0: the mind chatting boggles. about. The Infantino and Delia. I mean, honestly, if you made that as a kind of road trip, Netflix Doco, <laughs> I would probably watch it. Um William says, Is is Robin starting to worry about Oxford? They seem to be in free fall. Although they were unlucky and had most of the play at Fortress since Silbank on Saturday. I was just amazed not to see a draw. Imps still unbeaten at home. Thirteen draws and four wins at home for for Lincoln. But are you you sacked Carl Robinson, didn't you? Um so what's
2: Well, I didn't personally. You didn't um, personally,
0: no. You weren't giving him an easy run. Yeah, yeah. um, (laughs) uh, uh, You're not falling as fast as Cambridge, you know. But in varsity times, it's a terrible time Uh, for varsity based football fans.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. The boat race, starby might be taking place in League Two. Yeah, no, it's not good. Not good. Um, Need a manager because you, you sometimes think, oh, will the caretaker be able to provide something? That didn't happen on Saturday i think it's seven defeats in eight yeah it's it's grim so um yeah we're looking at, look when you're looking at results of accrington and and uh, forest green rovers you know it's it's not been a great season
0: some feedback from thursday's pod where i was uh, outside uh, at a B&B on the coast of new south wales and there were a lot of crickets and quite a lot of crickets today even though i'm inside my house that you may have heard but- Uh, More feedback we had on this than anything we've had for a long time. TR says, there's an Australian living in Germany. It was lovely to tune into the latest Guardian Football Weekly to the sounds of the cicadas, I think they're called, in the background. Looking forward to hearing the possums in future episodes, uh, says Tom. Uh, North Van Dad says, driving home, I was so excited to tell my wife it was finally going to be time for a new car. No, just crickets in Max's garden. Um, I turned off the heat, says Cynthia, in New England in winter because I thought it was a problem with the fan. Uh, Steve says, I was looking around my kitchen for an electrical fault until I realised it was coming from the pod. Max's outside broadcast is a nightmare, says Smethick Mon. Took me a while to work out that his backyard's warbling insect bird marsupial was not my home's air conditioning, dishwasher, extractor fan, washing machine acting up. Thanks for the impromptu home inspection this morning. Uh, so, yeah, no more outside podcasts. Rich says, Carly Ray Jepsen is playing Glastonbury. Should we be expecting Barry to make a guest appearance for a duet, Max on the Stools? Um, are you, uh, are you in touch with Carly? Should we get in touch with Carly? I,
3: I'm not in touch with Carly or Carly's people. I see that the Glastonbury lineup has come in for a lot of criticism. Um, so if I can jazz it up a bit, I'd be happy to do that.
0: What's the criticism, and would you help? Would you help solve the case? I
3: don't think I would. I think the criticism is just too male heavy. Right. So adding a heavy male <laughs> to the lineup is unlikely to make things better.
0: Uh, and John finally says, will you drag the Subaru story out as long as Trevor Nelson's microwave? No, it's sitting outside my house and it is a blessed relief. So there we are. Oh, the end, hurrah. The end. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's good. So thank you to the police.
1: Max, why do you have a Subaru?
0: Why Subaru?
1: I don't know. It's the just... kind
0: of car that people in
1: people in Somerset drive who are kind of, you know, have a reboard engine. Honestly, t- okay. 90 miles an
0: so, hour. So I obviously know nothing about cars. We had a Ford focus and the air conditioning didn't work. And we were about to have a baby and we thought we should get a car with air conditioning that works. And then a mate of mine said, I know a car dealer called Ian. So I rang him up and said, Have you got any cars with air conditioning that works? And that beep when you reverse because I was really wanted a car that beeped when it reversed because I'd never had that before. And he said I got this one. It's even got a camera when it reverses. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. I didn't really care that it was a Subaru. I don't didn't know that was a car that I you know you would that you know months later Barney Ronnie would frown upon.
1: No, no, they're really good cars. It's it's really well made. Oh, right. They're real petrol head cars, but they're just kind of slightly frightening. Ah. Uh, that that oh. whenever I see one, I, I think
0: that I might be abducted and. Uh, taken to a remote spot in the woods. I suspect we should go now. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, no more chat about the Subaru. I promise. Um, back to the microwave. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Thanks, Barney. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Max. Uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Danielle Stevens. This is the Guardian. Thank you.